here we are again on the Political Sidetrack podcast. Once again, I'm Len Vermillion here in Houston, Texas at the Heart Energy Studio. And again, I'm joined by, as always, Joe Markman. Good to be here, Len. Thanks, Joe. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, We got a really good one here today. Uh, We are going to talk to Kathleen Scamma, who is president of the Western Energy Alliance. Uh, We talked a lot about uh, environmental regulations, very timely, considering what happened uh, the week we're recording this. What happened uh, with the president's executive order, sort of rolling back the clean, uh, the clean power plan. Clean power plan and, and uh, frankly, a, a lot of stuff that, um, that the Obama administration advanced toward, toward climate change. You know, when I was reporting on that recent executive order, I was told to expect three significant impacts. Litigation, litigation, and litigation? wait for it. Litigation, <laughs> yes, got it. Imagine that. I think we'll see a lot of that coming up, definitely. I don't I think anybody would deny that. Uh, we talked a little bit with Kathleen in, about the Clean Power Plan and the executive order. We'll, we'll get into that. We also talked about uh, the Congressional Review Act. The Western Energy Alliance is strongly backing a Senate vote on that. And we're going to get into other things such as uh, NEPA reviews, that's the National Environmental Policy Act, and some of the other issues such as pipelines and so forth. So we have a lot on tap with uh, Kathleen. A little bit about the Western Energy Alliance for those who might not be familiar with WEA. It's an organization based in Denver that represents 300 energy companies in 13 Western states. That's pretty much all the way up from the Dakotas through Carolina over to the West Coast. Very prominent organization in our industry and we're very pleased to have Kathleen on the podcast today. There are a lot of legislative regulatory issues out there being addressed, particularly with the new administration and Congress. Rather than go down the list, what is your organization most concerned about at this time as far as legislation is concerned? Well, we're really focused on on this first 100 days and trying to get as much of the redundant regulation rolled back as possible. So what we saw is regulatory overreach over the eight years of the Obama administration that went well beyond normal and proper regulatory oversight and became a weapon to um, hinder oil and natural gas development from development on federal lands to development in general. So we're really focused in this first 100 days on rolling back as much of that redundant regulation as possible. So right now we're particularly concerned with the BLM venting and flaring rule, Mm -hmm. which is BLM trying to impose air quality uh, controls in a Clean Air Act-like fashion even though EPA has already done new source performance standards um, regulating methane, BLM is going to come in with their particular rules and take it a step further and um, regulate existing sources, even though they're not following the Clean Air Act process to regulate existing sources. So it's like they have the Clean Air Act power with none of the constraints. And so that's why we're very focused on getting a Senate vote to roll back that particular regulation. So are are you saying that we think that 
this regulation might get stronger or, or weaker as we well, go forward? Um, well, we're, we're trying to get the Senate to take a vote on using, using the Congressional Review Act to strike down the BLM venting and flaring rule. Okay, let me interrupt for a second and explain the use of the Congressional Review Act to strike down the BLM venting and flaring rules that Kathleen just mentioned. If you're not familiar with it, the Congressional Review Act lets Congress roll back executive actions that were taken in the last 60 legislative working days if a rule imposes excessive costs or exceeds agency authority or is redundant. This executive order from the Obama administration was in the last 60 legislative days because Congress was out of session at the time and the House has already acted on this and voted on it so it's really up to the Senate at this point. So let's go back to the interview. I just wanted to clarify that. We'll go back to the interview and pick it up with Kathleen discussing the President's executive order and what it might and I want to stress might lead, lead us to down the road. That gives us um, hope that uh, the new administration will also look at um, how the federal government has put in place regulations that really went far beyond what's actually in the law. So when we look at EPA and BLM trying to regulate methane, they're doing so without having gone through the basic Clean Air Act process of doing an endangerment finding for methane. Now, the prior administration did an endangerment finding for carbon dioxide. Um, we would argue that that was a very incomplete endangerment finding. It didn't look at the full science. It didn't look at the uncertainty of um, climate science. It just climate science. It just went forward with um, an endangerment finding. And I believe if that was redone in a proper fashion, looking at the full complement of science, not just certain picking and choosing the most alarmist science based on projections, um, I think then that we could see potentially the um, climate change overreach from the federal government come tumbling down. And I think that would be very positive because what we forget and what uh, I think most Americans don't even know is that the reason the United States is a leader in reducing greenhouse gas emissions more than any other country is because we have increased our use of natural gas through market forces. Natural gas has competed with coal, and we're competing on price and um, abundant, you know, with, with our abundant supply of natural gas, we're able to provide more electricity generation. And by displacing coal, we've actually reduced greenhouse gas emissions more than any other country, and we've done it without those top-down climate change policies. We've done it through bottom-up market forces, and that is a much better way to go than uh, top-down federal policies that have no basis in law. Right. I, I think a lot of people do not really understand that. The industry does go through a lot of great lens to protect the environment. I think one of give you a chance to maybe clarify to people who might not understand that it's not all about just digging up the ground and, and destroying it. So uh, can you, how, what, what other ways are, are you go about, you know, keeping the environment in mind as we're going through drilling and so forth? Well, I'm really glad you asked that because the oil and natural gas industry long ago adopted an environmental stewardship ethic. We think about the environment 
and protecting public health and safety with all of our operations. And when there's a legitimate environmental challenge, we rise to the occasion. For example, um, we want to have as small of a footprint on the land as possible. And with innovations like directional and horizontal drilling, um, we have reduced the footprint by up to 70%. So that's a huge good story on how we're getting more oil and gas out of the ground and disturbing less and less of the land. I already mentioned another good story, which is um, we reduce greenhouse gas emissions more than wind and solar and other renewables. But we also, by using more natural gas, we also reduce um, regular criteria pollutants that are already specified in the Clean Air Act. And so we're delivering air quality benefits as well. Don't forget to join us for the Energy Capital Conference April 17th and 18th at the Omni Barton Creek Resort in Austin, Texas, where A&D begins. Now this is interesting. I think the conversation about the success that the industry has had in eliminating greenhouse gases often gets overlooked. And Kathleen mentioned just now, there is an argument to be made that market forces could be a driver of the reduction of greenhouse gases. And we want to know what you, our listeners, think about that. So this is a good time to remind you that we want to hear from you. We're not live, of course. Maybe one day we will be. <laughs> but for now, you can join the conversation on Twitter by tweeting me at Len Vermillion, that's with two L's, or emailing me directly at lvermillion at heartenergy.com. So, Joe, do you have anything to add or argue about what Kathleen had just said there? Well, you know, Len, once again, oil and gas industry is doing exactly what the um, environmental movement wants it to do, and yet oil and gas is still, the, is still the villain here. So that means that the messaging is just not effective. Right. But it's getting better, so let's talk about messaging a little. Uh, Kathleen talks about that coming up. How important does messaging become now? You're, you're obviously heading a group, one of the groups that would be a leader in that. What messaging needs to be done to let people know that? You know, it is definitely hard to get those good stories out in the mainstream media. Right. The media would have you believe that it's an either-or choice. Um, we either, you know, move forward with economic development and energy development here in the United States, or we protect the environment. We in the oil and natural gas industry have been doing both for quite some time. We can deliver that energy while protecting the environment. And we know we're doing it in a more environmentally protective manner here in the United States than just about anywhere else in the world. I guess Canada and Norway could probably compete with us on strict environmental regulation. But certainly it is better to you know, have those jobs created here, develop that energy here, rather than importing it from overseas. So it is a two-way street. We're going to still have opposition to a lot of these moves, um, especially the ones when the when a move is made by the president or the EPA, Department of Interior. You know, in your area, in Colorado, there's already been a lot of issues about fracking and you know, big outdoors region. Do you think it gets worse as we go 
I don't want to, I shouldn't use the word worse. Do you think the voices of the opposition get louder as we go through the next four years? Well, I think they'll try to. I think President Trump is doing for the environmental lobby what President Obama did for gun manufacturers. Okay. Um, a lot of money, a lot of money is pouring into the environmental movement. Uh, I really should call it the environmental lobby because these are groups that are not really necessarily concerned uh, with the environment, but they are concerned with pushing. Uh, a, a particular agenda, which is an agenda of more government control over industry and every aspect of our modern lives. So those voices are not going away. They're well-funded. Um, we need to continue to educate the public about how we deliver American-made energy here in the United States and how we're doing it in an environmentally protective manner. You know, of course, every single energy source has an impact on the environment. Mm -hmm from wind and solar to oil and gas, every energy has an impact. The key is making sure that that impact is minimized and that any risk from that, from that development is managed, controlled, regulated, and if a company makes a mistake, they have to, you know, they're held accountable financially and they're accountable to clean up whatever um, mess they make. So it's getting that message out, and I think most Americans I mean, there's that 20% or so that's just never going to accept mm -hmm. um, anything short of all wind and solar, which we know is just not feasible. They're not, you know, they're not, they don't provide reliable po power 24 hours right. a day. And, of course, even if they did, that's just in the electricity sector. Forget, mm -hmm. you know, flying your airplane or creating your, um, your clothing and, and medicines and all the other things right. that petrochemicals go into. But there were some who will never be satisfied with any oil and gas. But most Americans understand, yep, I need to get to work. I need to get to school. Um, I understand we need energy, and I want it to be affordable, and I want to make sure that it's protecting the environment. And we can deliver on those promises. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, we have several video products you might also enjoy including Headlines, your weekly news briefing, Onshore Connect, a review of technological trends in the industry, and Midstream Connect, a review of the midstream sector. You can find any of those at our websites, oilandgasinvestor.com, epmag.com, ugcenter.com, or midstreambusiness.com. Okay, now let's move on to NEPA. And for those of you that don't know what that is, that's the National Environmental Policy Act. I found this part of the interview very interesting. Uh, NEPA is being used to delay a lot of projects in, in the oil and gas industry. Um, so Kathleen, well aware of that being in the position she is, had a lot to say about it. So let's listen to what she had to say about NEPA. We have the Trump administration and the new Congress for at least until 2018. What bills, legislation is your organization, um, what, what's on the top of the wish list? I know we've talked about methane and BLM, that's probably one of them, but I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'll let you answer. We would like to see some common sense modernization of certain um, environmental regulations. You look at the National Environmental Policy Act, 
which is a procedural act meant to ensure that decision makers take the environment in mind when any federal project is built. What we've done as a nation is we've gotten far beyond that reasonable look, and now NEPA is really a weapon that is used to stop human activity, whether it's a new highway or an oil and natural gas project or a pipeline. It is a great delaying tactic that can make a project stretch years and years. In fact, we have several large projects proposed in the West uh, that companies have proposed to the Bureau of Land Management mm -hmm. that are now in year nine of NEPA analysis. Mm -hmm. So those jobs, that energy has been held up because the federal government simply won't move on with the NEPA analysis. So I think some modernization of NEPA would enable more people to get back to work and help President Trump uh, make good on his promise of creating jobs by approving those projects in a reasonable time frame with reasonable NEPA, we can get people back to work. Okay, Joe, I know you had some thoughts on NEPA as well. Yeah, Lynn, what struck me was that Kathleen is very much pro-environment, um, as are the companies that she represents. They just feel suffocated by what they consider to be redundant federal regulations. She echoed the sentiment that the president had when he signed the recent executive order pulling back from the Clean Power Plan that was advanced by the prior administration. So NEPA was assigned into law during the Nixon administration. And what Kathleen said she was looking for is called a common sense modernization so that NEPA can function as more than simply a vehicle to delay projects in the cause of a political agenda. That goes with what President Trump and Administrator Pruitt of the EPA have said. Rolling back regulations will enable the industry to move forward with needed projects in a more streamlined regulatory process. I agree completely with you on that. And so we're we're starting to run short on time, so let's return to our final segment of our interview with Kathleen. Uh, we're going to go through a couple of the, the big issues uh, in the industry and take those one by one. Well, let's talk a little bit. We'll go through some of the, the bigger aspects of the industry. Uh, let's just let's start with fracking. Do you think we'll have an environment where we see that come back a bit? I mean, not that it went away, but obviously it wasn't where it was eight years ago. Or you mean as an issue? No, as actually, do, do you think do you think the new political environment will encourage more fracking to begin? You know, particularly out places like Colorado, Pennsylvania. Or, you know, I don't. I guess that's where I'm going with this. Obviously, um, we. In the West, we pretty much frack 100% of our wells. Okay. I mean, some wells you drill, they're not economic, and they don't get completed. But for all intent and purposes, all the wells that we really are drilling out in the West uh, need to be fracked in order to become economic. And, you know, that, that hasn't gone away. Um, I think we were lucky that a lot of the large plays, like the Bakken and now in the Permian in Texas were on private and state lands and not on federal lands because when you're trying to develop on federal lands, the government just has many ways to hold those projects up. Mm -hmm. So certainly we'll see 
you know, we saw the backlog of wells um, drilled but not completed have right. been, you know, that inventory has come down as the price of oil has rebounded. I think we'll see. Uh, we're still, as an industry, pretty optimistic, even though we're struggling to keep uh, the price of oil at $50 a barrel. So we're already drilling to even more affordable energy. But as far as an issue, I think we did a pretty good job over the last several years of informing the public that fracking is really a boring engineering process and not this scary thing that needs to be avoided. Um, I think now the public understands, oh, it's a, it's a process that's being heavily regulated by states. It's being done safely. It has been done in over 1.3 million wells. This is not something new and scary. This is the way we get our energy. So I think it has um, the, the stridency of the issue has certainly come down in the last couple of years. Okay. And it's probably a good, uh, good for, for, for operators that it probably will remain a state level uh, regulation at this point, I would think, at least as the, the current administration is in. I don't really think we'll see a lot of federal interference there, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So Western Energy Alliance and the Independent Petroleum Association of America um, did sue and stopped the hydraulic fracturing rule, that uh, the first federal hydraulic fracturing rule that was mm -hmm. under the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, we did stop that, and recently the Tenth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals uh, delayed a hearing on the appeal by the environmentalists and the federal government uh, because they wanted to hear from the new administration. And the new administration has come in and said, you know, we plan to rescind that rule. States are already regulating fracking. We don't need a redundant rule. So I think um, that's a very positive sign for leaving regulation of states uh, a re leaving regulation of fracking at the state level. Because I think, uh, again, when the environmental lobby looks at anything, they want to have federal regulation. They want control from the center. But really, fracking and oil and gas development in general is better done at the state level mm -hmm. because states are very different in terms of, you know, from basin to basin, what the composition of the gas and the oil is, um, what the infrastructure is, the topography, many different factors that go into operations mean that regulation of the industry is really best done at the state level. Certainly there are federal standards like the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, but those really are implemented at the state level. There's really no need for a federal body to come in and regulate where the states are already doing so. Okay. What about pipelines? Uh, is, is there excitement out there for getting new these some of these pipelines uh, built finally? I know Rex is out there and, and so forth. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. The fact that the President Trump came in and uh, quickly approved the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline is a very good sign. Um, but even during the Obama administration, the Corps of Engineers, um, the federal agencies that were actually on the ground permitting that pipeline had done all the steps, and it really should have been report, uh, supported by President Obama. But he basically went back on the good work that his own agencies were doing. And, you know, letting that situation fester up in North Dakota was not healthy for any type of infrastructure project. Um, I think we'll see more and more of these types of protests from the Keep It in the Ground folks. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, like I said before, most reasonable Americans understand that uh, pipelines are a safer way to transport oil and natural gas and that it really doesn't make sense to stop the flow of the energy that our society runs on. Okay. Well, real quick, before we get out, I want to let you talk about jobs. Um, obviously, this industry is a big job producer. That's a hallmark of the current administration. Um, do you, how do you see the industry helping to increase employment in this country now that it's a little bit more optimistic? Well, I think that's uh, what, what makes us excited in this uh, new year is that we have an administration that is actually trying to encourage domestic development as opposed to the prior one, which was actively using regulations and other means to discourage our own American production. So just having an administration in there who is willing to move forward with project approvals and not trying to put in place redundant regulations that are really just meant to slow development, I think that's just a very positive sign for our industry. Well, Kathleen, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. This, I thought this was a really great conversation. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you. And again, that was Kathleen Scamma, president of the Western Energy Alliance. Joe, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, Len, I think what we're going to continue to see whenever this podcast touches on presidential politics which I'm presuming will be often, uh, are the constraints placed on the executive branch. The president can sign a bill into law, but he cannot change the laws of supply and demand. He cannot change the laws of nature. So in terms of this recent executive order, sorry, coal miners, but most of you will not be going back to work in the mines because natural gas makes more economic sense than coal for power generation. So I'm, I'm thinking that the president is going to take some heat for this directive, but he's also going to get some love from the oil and gas industry. I think it is reassuring to many in the industry to feel that there is someone looking out for them in the Oval Office. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Again, I want to remind everybody that we want to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter. Uh, contact me directly at Len Vermillion. That's with two L's. You can email me, lvermillion at heartenergy.com. You can reach Joe on Twitter at, at jhmarkman, or you can actually email him too at jmarkman at heartenergy.com. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Political Sidetrack Podcast. And with that, that ends our podcast. Until next time, stay energized. <laughs>